welcome to Conversations of Grace. I'm Nathan Oliver, and this is a podcast about how to live out the gospel in the everyday stuff of life. Each episode, you'll hear me chatting with experts and friends about how to understand the gospel and how it's good news for us every day. And today, we're looking at the topic of fear and how the gospel meets us in our fears, which I think is a fairly pertinent conversation to have given the state of the world in a global pandemic. Uh, Some places, like where I live in Melbourne, uh, we're on the way out of it and it's really exciting, but you flick on the news and there are other places around the world that are just recording some really scary numbers. And it's not like we needed a global pandemic to remind us that there is fear in the world. Fear can creep up on us in just the most basic ways every day of our life. I don't want to make anyone feel fear as you listen to this. I don't need to raise that neediness. Uh, But we know it's there. It's something that we battle and face and are challenged by regularly. So I chatted with Kristen Wetherill, who wrote a book about this called Fight Your Fears. It's a fantastic book. And we talked all about these things in coronavirus and, you know, some more personal stuff too. My feeling from chatting with Kristen is, well, she's super intelligent, but she hasn't intellectualized fear in such a way that trusting God with our fears seems unrealistic. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Kristen talks as only someone can who knows God's sovereign goodness and that he's faithful to his word. So I want to encourage you as you listen to this episode, listen to it like an invitation to trust God by fearing him above all else. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and it encourages you right where you're at today. Here it is. Hey, Kristen Wetherill, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is a joy. Yeah, it's a real treat to chat with you. Um, you wrote a book recently, or recently released book called Fight Your Fears. I read it. I really enjoyed it. It sort of has stuck with me and I've thought about it a lot. I'm interested to hear from you about it. Like what is, what's the story behind the book for you? There, There is a story behind the book. Um, I, so I had become pregnant with my, my first child, Joanna, my daughter, and um, I have a health history with Lyme disease. And so that combined with a new pregnancy meant that I was struggling with fear. <laughs> um, fear of the unknown future of my own health. How would I handle the pregnancy? Because uh, I had been dealing with chronic pain and a compromised immune system for years. Fear over her protection in the womb. Um, you know, I had heard so many stories of precious friends who had miscarried babies. And would that be my story? How would this turn out? And then fear over um, her health future because Lyme disease uh, can pass gestationally. And, and for all intents and purposes, we had been told that um, I was effectively healed from it, that it was inactive in my body so that it shouldn't be a problem, which is why we proceeded trying to have a baby. Um, but still, there, there was a possibility there. So just fighting a lot of fears personally and um, being quite dissatisfied as a Christian with the world's messages about fear and even some messages within the church about fear. So I kind of went on a on a scriptural search for what what the Bible has to say. What does God have to say about fear and how we're to deal with it? And so the book idea actually started as an article that I wrote for Desiring God. Um, 
and I, I'm trying to remember what the title was. I think it was Three Promises to Fight Your Fears or something like that. Um, and it was just very helpful to me to to look at what God says and to hold it up against my fears. Um, and so when when my heart became burdened to work on another project, I just started praying for the Holy Spirit's help and clarity on what that might be. And just kind of recognized that there was there's a whole book there. There's a lot more to say than yeah. than I could fit into one article. So that's that's how the idea came about. Wow. And so was that sort of, was it almost like a therapeutic process for you? Like, did you mm-hmm. find the answers you were looking for? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yes and no. Uh, yes, because God's word is such a, is such a sweet treasure to hear um, from, from God's mouth what is true of him and his heart, and then his heart displayed through his actions and the very sending of his son. I mean, that that's a balm to our souls. And so um, I think I would say that I learned uh, a biblical process for fighting fear. However, did the fear disappear and vanish Poof! because I did this project? No, absolutely not. And that's actually one of the points that I hope to make in the book is that you know, faith in Christ, trusting Christ doesn't necessarily mean that our fears vanish, um, but that we know where or to whom we take our fears when we are afraid, um, mm. because it's a lifelong process. Mm. Hey, do you mind if I go back a second and just to pick up on something you said before, which was about the messages of fear, even within the church and not in the church? Are you saying that there there are some similarities between how people talk about it inside and outside the church or do you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not necessarily similarities. I, I do think we come at it from slightly different angles, but um, perhaps the similarity is that none of them are, are biblical ways to think about fear. Right. So in the world, at least in, in Western culture here in the United States, um, I know you're, you're in Melbourne. Um, so it could be different where, where y'all are at, but here there's a sense of looking inside oneself. You just have to, you just have to find your brave. You just have to find your courageous inner person and be strong and be brave and pursue fearlessness. Mm. And if you really dig at that reasoning, you'll see that it's, 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 um, it's kind of shoddy reasoning because if I'm the problem, then I can't possibly be the solution. Um, I mentioned this in the book, but it's like a swimmer drowning (laughs) who clearly needs help, you know, refusing some kind of rescue, refusing some kind of buoy or uh, life, you know, support ring or whatever. He he needs rescue from the outside. He can't help himself. He's struggling. Mm. He's drowning. So, that's that's kind of a we call it self help here. It's 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 very self helpy to think that the solution to fear is that I just have to be brave because if yeah. I'm the problem, I can't possibly be the solution. Um, another but but another false way of thinking about fear I have seen in believers, and it has concerned me. And it's this idea, uh, and it's kind of double sided. It's this idea that fearlessness is kind of our goal right. in the fight against fear. And that we can attain it in this life. But from what I see in scripture, um, we are living 
in what's called the now, but not yet reality. Mm-hmm. And we won't be fearless. We won't be sinless until we see the face of Christ in glory. We just won't. Um, now, does that mean the Holy Spirit can't help us in supernaturally wonderful ways, overcome specific fears and absolutely make strides in the Christian life and in becoming like Christ? Oh, absolutely. We see that. And we should ask for that. But this idea of attaining a kind of like fearless perfection mm. isn't biblical. It's, it's not biblical. Um, holiness is a process. And we will yeah. not be perfectly holy until we behold the Holy One in glory. Um, and then on that note, you know, the goal being fearlessness, it, it's tricky because Jesus Christ loves to help by his spirit. And so does he want to help us uh, make strides in fighting our fears? Absolutely. But if we see, I think we have to be careful because if we see Jesus as a means to an end, we're missing the point. He's the end of all things. Hmm. And our goal isn't truly to become fearless. It's to fear him, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dip into here in our conversation. Um, but it's to, it's to know him and to trust him and to love him. And he will surely help us um, fight our fears as we grow in trust. But I think sometimes as a church, we, we, we look to fearlessness um, or other attainments as kind of a goal in themselves, and we end up missing the point. Yeah, right. Right. I love that. I love the way you put it like that. Can we just keep flowing on from there into like, would you mind unpacking a little bit how the Bible talks about fear? Because it, it talks about fear in good ways and bad ways. Um, right. Um, the fear of the Lord, for instance, is a really good thing, an important thing. Can you unpack that a bit for us? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, happy to. Well, we see throughout the Bible story, I think we should we need to start at the beginning and, and acknowledge that fear is not always a bad thing. God created Adam and Eve to fear him, in other words, to walk with him closely in an intimate relationship of trust and obedience on their part and love. And Adam and Eve, that this this was their privilege. This meant the best for them to worship the Lord, to be in awe and in reverence of his beauty and his holiness. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Um, Mm. So we were really created to fear in that sense. But what ended up happening, Adam and Eve decided to basically worship themselves instead of the Lord, to walk in their own wisdom and to eat of the fruit of the tree, which he told them not to do. And so when sin entered into the human heart and into all of creation, this this reverence for the Lord became distorted into a rebellion against him. Uh, this worship of the Lord became distorted into a self-worship or an idolatry. And then what ends up happening when, when we were intended to stand in awe before this holy God, now suddenly there's a chasm between us. And that awe, that good fear of the Lord turns into a terror fear before him because what we now deserve for our sin is his just judgment, his just wrath. And so in essence, our sin distorted the fear of the Lord. And now we have entrance of all these other 
types of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Bible tells us initially that God created us to fear in the best possible way, in a good and godly way, but sin distorted the fear of the Lord. So then what we see throughout scripture is God trying to, in his grace and mercy, right this this very wrong type of fear, and he gives his own son to do that. Um, where human hearts have have gone from the fear of the Lord to fear of lesser things because of sin, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. And that's my promise. And um, the way I'm going to do that is by sending you my, my own son. And then we look at the life of Christ and we see how he feared his father perfectly. He walked in perfect obedience. He went to his death in perfect fear of the Lord, in obedience and love and trust, so that um, this new covenant would be sealed by his blood, so that we would have new hearts and the spirit of truth within us and so that we would begin to walk in the fear of the Lord again and once again worship him with reverence and awe of his glory. So I think that's that's kind of fear throughout the Bible story. Yeah. And um and I think it's important too, Nathan, that we should acknowledge that not all fear, even as we experience it in a fallen world and in a fallen flesh, not all fear is bad. Um because of mm-hmm. the way sin affected creation, it's fallen and broken, and there are dangers and mm-hmm. threats. There is evil. There are, you know, tragedies and accidents. And um, I love how Puritan John Flavel calls this. He calls it a natural fear, which is actually God's merciful, protective response to things that we should be afraid of. And I think it's important for us to distinguish that because as Christians, it can be easy to say, well, all fear is bad. All fear is bad. I should, yeah. I, I should just confess that I'm afraid. I think we need to stop and say, well, what am I, what am I exactly afraid of right now? Because if my toddler is darting into the street and there are cars coming, are, are you, are, are we saying that that response of fear in, on my part is sin? I, I don't believe so. I believe that's right. a merciful response. Yeah. Um, but then again, there are, there are sinful fears. And we, in this life of ours, walking with Christ, we're, we're asking him, Lord, search my heart and help me to discern when it's fear becoming sin in my heart. Mm. When is it rooted in unbelief and a lack of trust and bearing all kinds of bad fruit? Um, mm. So I think it's helpful for us also to distinguish between different types of fear. Yeah, that's such a good question. Such a good thing to be reflecting on and thinking about, you know, understanding our own fear and what's at the root of it, what's what's driving our fear. And a great summary. I love the way that you summarize fear, like the way that you just did then and in the book also. Can I just follow that up with a further question on that? Because, you know, fear in a lot of ways that we talk about it, and you kind of talked about this then um, in, in your previous answer, but a lot of ways we talk about fear as an emotional thing, but we don't always think about the fear of the Lord as an emotional thing. We think that's more of a perspective that we have. Is the fear of the Lord more emotional than what we think? I mean, I'm hearing the way that you're talking about it, and I think, yeah, it is. Uh, would you say that? Hmm. What do you mean by emotional? Well, I think when we talk about fear, we talk about like how we're feeling, you know, um, but when we talk mm-hmm. about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about a perspective. This is the way that I view God. And it's mm-hmm. a right 
it's it's that kind of right perspective. But the way that you were describing the first humans, Adam and Eve, it would, you were you were talking about it as like it led them to right fear, like like a reverence, like a almost something that was worshipful, if you know what I mean. Like it is supposed mm-hmm. to trigger our affections and our emotions in us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I, frankly, I've never thought about the emotional side in terms of, of using that word. Um, yeah, the way that I've described fear is in terms of a response. So I suppose in that sense, if, if we're responding to who the Lord is, the reality of who he is, then I suppose I would I would think, yes, it is an emotional response, but it's informed by truth. It's informed by who he is. Oh, right. Absolutely. So your yeah. heart, so your heart responds to what to what your to what your mind knows is true. And so that's why it's so important for us to be in scripture because yeah. the God of the universe is revealing himself and telling right. us who he is so that um our hearts can be reoriented. Right. In that sense. Yeah. Heart heart language is much better way of phrasing it than emotions, I think. Sure. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's a more biblical phrasing, I think. That's good. Can can you sort of bring this into the context of even the things that we're facing today? That's what I'm really interested in, is talking about the times for a lot of us, it feels like uncertain times, you know, this coronavirus pandemic, everything that's going on, there's a lot of uncertainty that could spark fear and I think for a lot of people, it's already sparked fear, Um, you know, whether it's getting sick, um, whether it's financial fear, whether it's government's influences and all that sort of thing. How does the gospel speak to these specific things that we face today? Well, you're right in saying that these are uncertain times. That is for sure. But I'm helped to think that truly these are no more uncertain times than any other time. Right. We're we're just we're just more more aware of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who I met for dinner the other week, uh, she kind of called this this time an unveiling. And um, I agree with that. I think I think we are are being forced in this time to acknowledge reality mm-hmm. because this idea of not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Um, this idea of life being frail and suffering being very real and death being a universal reality. Um, all of these things, these, are, these have always been true. Mm. It's just that a global pandemic and its ramifications have kind of uh, exposed what is already true. And it's exposing the way that we each respond to these yeah. realities. So, so your question is, how does the gospel speak to these? Um, right, which I know there's a lot of it, it, there's a lot of ways. But if, if you would begin yeah. to sort of apply that, how would you maybe do that? Yeah. Well, I love our our church has used the framework, and this is a framework that our executive pastor came up with in his years in, in school, but to to apply the gospel, we use the framework, Lord, sin, Savior, and faith. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about all of these circumstances, and, and there are so many, I mean, we, I'm sure we couldn't touch on all the ways that this pandemic has affected people. 
But if we if we are to look at it kind of overarchingly and start by saying Jesus is Lord over all of creation, and that means that he is sovereign, which means he's in control. And because of that, there's a sense in which even a global pandemic is not out of his control. Now, how, you know, that that's a study in itself, how evil yeah. and suffering intersect with the Lord's being in control. But the Bible says that it is, that he, that he holds evil on a leash, that he is in control, even of the hard things that happen. And then we know that there's a very real element of sin, that, that the way that the reason this pandemic has happened, generally speaking, is because we live in a broken creation, a creation that has been corrupted by Adam and Eve's choice to um, not fear the Lord in that sense. And so really, we shouldn't be surprised by the reality of a pandemic entering the world. This is not anything new. Um, Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So Jesus is Lord, and, and because of sin, we should not be surprised. But but God has given us a savior, and that's the third that's the third part of the gospel. Jesus is a savior to sinners. So I think the question we're asking is, you know, Jesus, what does it look like for me to hide myself in you, to trust you, to believe your word when you speak, even amidst these uncertain times? And um, what does it look like for me to to trust you, even when my fears aren't vanishing? And my circumstances aren't necessarily changing, or in fact, if they get worse, what does that look like? And how does your how does your shed blood on the cross and your resurrection speak into my circumstances and into my fears? And I and I really do believe it's it's Romans eight thirty two, Nathan. It's the reasoning that if God didn't even spare His own Son, hmm. but gave Him up for us all, for the good of our souls, to take care of truly the thing we should most fear, which is to be under his wrath for eternity. Will he not also along with Christ graciously give us all things? If God has cared for my soul, will he not care for my other needs? If, Mm. if I can trust God's heart for me, that he is for me and that he has proven this by giving his son, can I not trust his hand? Can I not trust what he gives? And that's been that's been hugely helpful for me in asking yeah. the Lord to help me trust Him in the midst of my fears. Um, a Can personal, you give? Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, I think you're about to. You, I think you're about to say what I was about to ask you to say. I was just about to ask for a like an example of what that would look mm-hmm. like in a daily sort of situation. Yeah, was it as a mom of two young kids? So I have um, a daughter who's three, and a little baby boy who's four months old. I'm tired a lot. You know, we're, we're not always sleeping through the night. Um, and our family has gone through a tumultuous season of many changes, many good changes, but, um, you know, we, we just transferred churches. My husband is a pastor. So new job, new church, um, selling our home, moving into a new home, having a baby in the midst of a global pandemic. (laughs) And Mm. then There have been so many days and so many moments where I have wondered, am I gonna, am I gonna be able to get through this day? Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's really at the root, I think, is a fear of not having enough, a fear of right. being left kind of destitute. <laughs> and um, and it's been so helpful for me 
to remember Luke 12, 32, where Jesus says, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's precisely his reasoning. He's not saying fear not because, you know, you just shouldn't be afraid and you just need to buck up. Mm. He's saying fear not because of your father, because of who he is. And, um, because of all that he has given you. And that's truly all that he's given us in Christ. Do I believe that when God says his grace is sufficient for me, meaning it's enough for me, do I believe that? Do I believe that even though today I may not be given eight hours straight of sleep at night or a perfectly pleasant, enjoyable baby and an obedient toddler, and, you know, my health, say, because when you're in the midst of so many changes, your immune system is just like shot. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to have all of those things. And, and those are things that I think that I need in my own human wisdom. But God is saying, do you believe that I am going to give you exactly what I know that you need today? Hmm. I, I am your good father. I am the perfect parent. My wisdom extends into infinity it's perfect and and the proof of that is that again romans eight thirty two. he's given me everything for my soul can i not trust that he will give me everything for my daily needs my daily bread everything that is needful for me and so just thinking about just thinking about that and asking the lord on a daily basis to help me trust him for that, for that moment's needs and for that day's needs, because he's a good heavenly father. I mean, that, that simple prayer has helped me so much to walk through my day, mm. kind of pushing against fear and um, leaning into the Lord as the one who I can trust because he's for me and he's not against me. So I hope that yeah. helps. But that, that's just a personal example of the way that I've thought through these truths in the light yeah, of fear. It's so encouraging. Yeah, so encouraging. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It kind of uh, goes back to what you're saying before about how the goal isn't to not have any fear, but the goal is to fear God more. Because I kind of feel like that, you know, when you have those days and you and you're saying, "How am I going to get through?" There are a lot of, you know, uh, alternatives we can turn to to still our fear, but um, they won't satisfy, they won't soothe, they won't meet the actual need of what we need. But fearing God actually does. And so it's learning to to carve out that path again and again and again, like what you just said, perhaps through facing or fighting the fears. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a muscle. Trust is like a muscle that needs to be exercised. And I think because these these fears tend to continue coming back to us and arising afresh, even daily, you know, we just we just flex that muscle again, and we turn to the Lord again, and we turn to Him again. And we go to his word again. And so we just keep, we just keep exercising the muscle until, until trusting him and turning to him is second nature to us. Mm. Um, and I think his spirit is so good to help us with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, one of the things I've appreciated so much from your book and hearing this conversation, like chatting with you right now is um, just the, the sheer sort of weight that you put in a really good way it's, it's a, such a good encouraging thing like on God's word and just continually going back to his word continually going back to me like 
that's a really kind of a key thing is that it's the truth that we need. Like we need to continually rely on on God's mm-hmm. truth. The reason Ephesians 6 calls the, wo- the word the sword of the spirit, it's a very effective weapon. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. the fighting's actually a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that also as we seek to kind of encourage ourselves but also encourage others, that actually I think that's a really important thing. I'd love to hear what you think about this because like what you said before, it's so easy to say to people, "Hey, the Bible says have no fear," you know, like so don't. It's the wrong thing to do. That's naughty. That's a sin. Stop it. But once you know once you've experienced trusting in God in fighting your fear, then you know that word in a different way. You know God's word in a different way than just reading it blank off a page, right? Mm. Uh, and so the way we speak to one another about this too actually changes the the tone in our voice or the, or the way that we kind of approach it. It's not just this is the right thing to do, but this is a good thing for you to do. Mm. Um, right. is, is that something that you, you found also? Absolutely. I, I think the way God speaks about, I mean, many things, but the, the way that God speaks about fear in his word is uh, is a tone of, of patient and loving authority. I mean, he's the perfect parent. And, and how do we want to speak to our kids, um, which we don't always do perfectly, but, mm. you know, we, we want to address our kids with patience and loving authority. This is what is best for you. And so, and so let me help you walk in this way. Um, and God is so patient with us and he, it's not, it's not just that God tells us to do certain things and that he can help us to do them. It's that he wants to, because he wants us to be in, in in a relationship with him for our good and for his glory. And so when God says, fear not, do not be afraid. Yes, that is a command, but it's a command that comes with a promise. And that promise is that he will help us. Nothing is impossible for me. And I have sent my spirit to be your help. And isn't that how we are with our kids? We, we love it when they say, I, I can't do this. I need your help. <laughs> well, thank mm. you for asking for help. That's so much better than yeah. you know throwing yourself on the floor in a tantrum right. and <laughs> disrupting everybody's everybody's peace right now is, you know, ask, call upon him for help. And I think that's the invitation, right? Jesus says, come to me, mm. all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Mm-hmm. Um, he deals gently with us. I love that phrase. He deals gently with us. So it's, it's, a, it's a patient and loving invitation to walk in the way that God intends for us. And he loves yeah. to help us. And, and so I imagine that having written this book, people come to you a lot to ask about fear, like that you would be having a lot of conversations about fear. What have you found to be the most sort of helpful way to communicate about that, even just with friends? Mm-hmm. Like and I'm asking for someone who might be listening who maybe mm-hmm. fear isn't something that they're struggling with, but they would really love to help their friend who is. Yeah. In all my conversations as of late, the the most helpful thing I've found for people and for myself as well, you know, once again, isn't that, that hard command? Well, just don't be afraid. Cause then you're like, well, how, but it's, it's the reminder that this is a process and that if the same fears are returning to you, you're not failing in the Christian life. <laughs> in fact, that is an invitation to keep trusting the Lord and to grow in your fear of him. 
um, as we were mentioning before, that, that faith is a muscle that needs to be exercised. And so I think it's a comfort when I, when I talk to people about fear to just remind them that the answer is not to be crushed under the guilt of the fact that you have fear, that the answer is to say what David says in Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, not if, yeah. but when I am afraid, yeah. what do I do? I put my trust in you. Yeah. So, okay, you're afraid. What do we, what do we need to know? you know, that's, that's true about the Lord to help us fight these fears. And the fact that you're in the fight is a, is an indicator that God has his, has his hand on you. And that's, yeah. that's a really good thing. That is, that is a beautiful, I feel like I needed to hear that today. That was really good. Um, that encouragement that you're f- fighting the same fears doesn't make you a failure. It, it, it's God's invitation to keep trusting and drawing on him. That's really great. Mm-hmm. I could keep talking and asking you more questions, but I'm aware of the time. So uh, I do want to point people to the book. It's fantastic. It's called Fight Your Fears. How can people get that just on Amazon or like people can find that anywhere? Do you have a website or something that people should be finding out about? Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. KristenWeatherall.com is my website and you can find there um, the links to all those books. Well, that's fantastic, and I hope they do. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate this conversation. Thanks so much for having a chat. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kristen Weatherall. And don't forget to check out her website as well as Fight Your Fears, her really fantastic book. And also, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please do so. Go ahead and click the subscribe button. And if you can, if you had a second, leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be really helpful. Until next time, enjoy grace. Bye. Conversations of Grace is brought to you by The Church Next Door in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.tcnd.com.au.